And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on my way, well, son. There'll be peace when you are gone. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey everybody, and welcome to Lupus Bits. I am your host, Lupa, and this is episode 106, I think. I just looked at it. Okay, you have to bear with me. I'm still at my sister's. It's 11 o'clock at night. I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm cross-eyed. I just did 2,500 words on a story. So brain is not functioning. Brain is sleeping. So this is going to be a short podcast, and I have to keep my tone down because I don't want to wake anybody up. So we're going to keep this low, and we're going to keep it quick, and hopefully you enjoy it. Okay, so I have a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, Dark Myth Publications horror-themed imprint Zombie Works is gearing up for its annual October anthology release, Unwelcomed Tales of Hauntings and Possessions. If you have not sent in your submissions, don't do it today. We're done. I don't know why he's saying that. Um, Yeah, no, submissions are closed. So thank you to everybody who submitted, everybody's been contacted, who's been accepted. So, yeah, submissions are closed, and um, it's going to be released next month. I'm excited. Uh, Dark Myth Comics has obtained the contract to produce Walter G. Esselman's Liberties Run for Help as a four-issue comic book miniseries. Written by Walter himself and penciled by Idris Yusuf from American Smash and Higher Learning. PCE will be looking for sponsorships for this year's event to help bring in bigger man, bigger guests, bigger main guests. Contact Dave at PCE at jazelmondarkmyth.com or go to www.pcehd.com. And PCE this year is being held on November 13th in Victorville, California at the Hilton Garden. So... Be there, be octagonal, as Walter would say. And finally, we can announce the winners of the fourth annual Open Contract Challenge. Third place is Rada DeVille, who will win a $50 Visa gift card. Second place is Robert Piotone, who receives an ebook contract for his manuscript, Last Horror Hero, and a $100 Visa gift card. And finally, the winner of the fourth annual Open Contract Challenge 2022 is Cliff Flint. His book, Promised Rewards, will receive a contract to be produced in ebook and paperback form, a round trip ticket to California for PCE 2023, where he will be given a table and copies of his award winning books to sell at the event, and a $200 Visa gift card. Congratulations to all our winners. Also, um, Shirts are still on sale for another week in Mythmart, 
So don't forget to grab one of those. Um, there are quite a few really good ones over there. I know, I designed them. So I love them. I have my both my Lupus Bits shirts. So, if what a those two words should never be in the same sentence. I just happened to glance down and, and with the Windows 10 update, it came with this temperature pop-up thingy and it just says, it just says, wow, it just says, temps plummet. Awesome. I was, and the thing is, is I was complaining. I wasn't really complaining. I never complain about the temperature when it's hot, ever. I might whine about the humidity because California broke me, but I will never complain about the heat because I hate the cold. But I was um, grumbling to my brother-in-law earlier that last weekend I took all of my, most of my summer clothes home and swapped them out for warmer fall-like clothing and the temperatures rose 20 degrees this week. Now they're going to plummet. So I'm going to need those long pants and socks and long sleeve shirts. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I'm not thrilled. I don't like cold weather. So, um, gosh, I don't even know what to talk about this week. Uh, the magazine comes out on uh, Saturday. Saturday, yes. So the magazine comes out tomorrow. And it is chock full of a whole bunch of really good things. I'm excited to do the review <laughs> for September. And then I do believe that Tim will be taking over for October. So you've got me for one more review. And uh, and then, um, yeah, we're going to see. We're going to let Tim take the reins. And uh, be kind. Be kind. Not much has really happened since last week. Uh, my sister's house is definitely sold. And uh, not exactly sure what they're doing. <laughs> we don't know. But uh, I went to my doctor's appointment on Monday. Now, this was with my family doctor. So this wasn't... Um, doctor's appointment I had the week before was my, you know mammogram checkup. Yay. I love those things. Nothing better than getting your boobs squished at eight o'clock in the morning. Fun times. But that came back all clear. So, you know, I'm good for two years. Um, but uh, the, I was getting all the test results and discussing uh, further steps with uh, the heart issue that I just recently had. And I can't remember the exact term uh kinesis or something like that i think it was i don't know my heart's enlarged i have a big heart and we already knew that but i have a big heart and um things are getting difficult with it um a couple of options for other issues that i have are surgical and because of my heart issues Surgery is now more complicated, um, so that's really not going to be an option <laughs> because I don't want my heart to get any worse because I really, 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 I mean, I will be if I have to be, 
if it keeps me going, but I really don't want to be battery operated. Um, yeah, that's not my, my first choice of ways to go, being battery operated. So yeah, that's, uh, that's always fun. But it was a good visit, and I popped in and saw my friend Mish while I was there and picked up the material for her daughter-in-law's cloak. So now I've got to, I'm going to see if there's like a local uh, sewing store around so I can go and peruse their cloaks. Because I have to make a cloak for her, for her wedding. And um, I don't have my cloak pattern anymore. So I have to find a cloak pattern. And being that it's September and close to Halloween, they're going to have all their Halloween patterns on sale. So it'll be easy for me to find a cloak pattern. Yeah, so I have the two materials, and the materials are really easy to work with. They're cottons. They're great. I love them. I mean, I was thinking maybe she wanted something satiny or something velvety, but no. Simple, easy-peasy cotton. I love it. I'm happy with it. Um, and I'm going to double the, um, try and make it as full as possible so that it hangs nice and flowy and full. Um, I got to meet the, the little man. Um, they have a daughter, her, her son. I know her son, Brandon. Um, him and his fiance, they have a daughter already, Kara. She's just the cutest thing. Thank oh my gosh. And then um, I met the heir apparent. The son looks just like his dad. Spitting, he is Ironside through and through. Um, very easygoing little guy. He started getting fussy. Threw him up on my shoulder, and you know, arms of sleepiness. You've all heard me talk about it. It it is a thing. Works with all babies. <laughs> so you know, he slept on my shoulder for a bit. You know, I had to go, and they wouldn't let me take him with me. So, uh, it was a good visit. And, uh, oh, okay, you have to bear with me, because I am absolutely tired. This getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning is just insane. And, I mean, I can, I, I'm doing it, obviously. I'm going to bed by 11, getting at least 7 or 8 hours sleep. I mean, I can function normally on 6 hours. That's fine. But I'm usually asleep by 12, 12.30. And I get a good seven hours, six and a half, seven hours sleep chasing little people. So that's always fun. <laughs> this week is actually going fairly quickly. I didn't realize tomorrow's Thursday already. And um, on Thursdays, my sister works from home. So it's not, um, I mean, I'm still here. I'm still looking after them. But she, uh, she pops in and out. And... Uh, Tries to have lunch with them. And, um, Everett's at school, so, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to bear with me. I have to take my meds, too, so. Oh, it's 11-11, people. Make a wish. There we go. Moment of silence for the wish. I'm not even exactly sure what I wished for, but I know I wished for something. Uh, I wrote Part 16 tonight to Penance, and uh, when I was finished it, I realized that I had breached the 40,000 word mark. It's like 41,000 some odd words. And I'm like, holy crap. This is like starting. And I had a goal in mind for this chapter. 
I actually had a direction that I wanted it to go. And I had to go back after I had written it and changed the title of the chapter because my characters decided they weren't ready to go there yet. Um, I know how they need to kill the big baddie. And they were supposed to figure that out themselves in this chapter. No, instead, let's throw in another problem. So now they have another entirely different problem that they have to sort out and, and uh, figure out. So, you know, as if the big baddie wasn't enough. No, yeah, let's make it a little more complicated. So, um, I did that tonight, and I have a story to write for the anthology. I have actually have a, uh, you heard me talk about it, I told you all about it, the experience that I had um, at the house in Stony Creek when I myself was possessed. There is no other way to describe it, there is no other way to explain it. Um, there are large chunks of uh, time and situations that I don't remember. I have no recollection of. And then there were times where I it was almost like I was in the passenger seat of my own body. So I'm going to take that experience and I'm going to turn it into a story. Uh, names will be changed to protect those involved <laughs> of course and um, embellishments will be made because you know poetic license to make it a really good story to, to make it an interesting story I'm going to add um, elements but just so you know when you read it that the basis of the story the actual possession itself is completely true and I will put that disclaimer at the beginning of the story as well. Um, that, yeah, the, the, this is a true story. And I have several witnesses to it. It's not, it wasn't just me saying, making this stuff up. I have several witnesses to um, the possession, to the behaviors, to the changes in me. Um, Funny enough, one of the people that witnessed some of the um, changes, the shifts, at the very beginning was our one and only Dave. Um, he, he figured out something was wrong very quickly. And um, for his own safety and the safety of his children, he distanced himself very quickly. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, uh, it still freaks me out. And I don't like to talk about it too much. I don't like to give it too much energy because um, it was used to attack me when I was in Florida. I, I had mistakenly given um, something with my energy on it to somebody. And um, 
yeah, it was used against me. So I don't like to uh, give that door any leeway. I like to keep it firmly closed <laughs> because I don't want to deal with that again. I don't. I don't think I would survive this time. I barely survived the last time. Um, I mean, physically, my body was fine. It had uh, strength that I am not normally in possession of. But mentally, I was gone. I was not in control. And from what I've been told, uh, this was not a nice entity. And I can't even say, I can't, it wasn't a demon, it wasn't um, a ghost, it was a land spirit, a very old one, a very angry one, a very negative one. And not all land spirits are nice. Not all land spirits are happy. This was one of them. And when I went to um, get help, to at least keep it at bay, um, the person that helped me said that it was like, think of a giant tarantula-like spider sitting over the house, sitting over the property. That was what this entity was. And yeah. So that's what I'm going to be writing tomorrow. Um, I'm still apprehensive about doing it because I will be opening that door. I will be revisiting that situation so um i and i'm very close to the place where it happened physically very close to the place where it happened um like i feel the pull um, when i get in my car and i go in that direction i feel the pull to the house i feel it um Coming down, I have to drive right by the exit. I actually got off um, the exit to go to that particular place. When I came down, came back on Monday, I actually got off at that exit. And it was all I could do not to drive straight, but to make that left-hand turn. Um, I have to drive by the, the, street, the road to get there every time I leave and every time I, I come back. And I feel the pull. Being here, I feel it. It's like it's calling me. And uh, for one, one of the, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of not as sad as I was to see this house go, to see my brother and or I, my brother-in-law, my sister move, because um, I can just not come back down here again. <laughs> Just avoid this area altogether. <laughs> Just, you know. I do need to go and pay a visit to my friend in St. Catharines and just bump up my protections and um, make sure that all of those holes that I had in my uh, metaphysical aura and that are still plugged and patched and filled and, you know, spackled and drywalled and bricked and whatever else I needed, you know, to do. And, I mean, it's getting to be October and um, being Irish, it's, it's 
Celtic New Year for me. Hey. Um, I did follow a Wiccan path. Uh, Samhain is still a very important time for me. Um, and not in the sense that you would think. I don't, it's not in a, a it's in a spiritual sense for me because I know the veil between the land of the living and the land of the dead is very thin. And I can communicate and feel close to my loved ones that have crossed over. Um, it also leaves me open for people to pop into my head and go, can you give somebody a message? And I hate when they do that. Um, but it's the time of year. It happens. So uh, this is when a lot of my more poignant poetry is written. Uh, the ones that I get the messages from people or they, they comment on it online and say, that really resonated with me. I really needed to hear that. Did you write that for me? Were you, have you been spying on me, watching my life? Because that, you know, speaks to what I'm going through right now. Um, so it's a very interesting time of year for me. Very interesting. And to be down here, um, especially after that situation. I haven't been down here uh, for an October. Um, because the incident happened two years ago, I think. It would have been the end of October, November. I think September. I don't know. I honestly don't remember. See, and that's part of it, too. Like, that whole... I couldn't tell you the year it was. I couldn't tell you when it was. Like, I don't know if it was last I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year, it was the year before. Yeah, it was the year before. So it was two years ago. Um, yeah, two years ago. Wow. I tell you. Insane. In two years. And it still feels fresh. It still feels, I'm still scared. You know, I still am not comfortable in certain situations. I'm not comfortable around certain things. I'm very careful about what I do. I'm very careful about what I think. I'm very careful about what I say. Um, when I was in Florida, mom wanted to go ghost hunting. And normally I would have just jumped on that like white on rice. Uh, but because of how easily I allowed it in, and I say allowed because it was a whole cocky situation. Um, I told mom, no, I'm not. And I don't even know why I'm talking about it right now. Like, I was just going to briefly touch on it and talk about writing the story for the anthology, and I can't seem to stop talking about it. Um, so I'm going to try and change the subject now. Um, so penance is taking an interesting turn. 
uh, yeah, like I said, my characters aren't quite ready for where I need them to go, but, you know, surprise, surprise, if, if you've written for any length of time, you have come across characters that you have created that never do what you want them to, at least not in the time frame that you want them to do it in, and certainly not in the way that you want them to do it. If you create your characters, and this is the thing with character creation, um, you can create a character sometimes that is so lifelike, so real. I mean, yes, to us writers, our characters can be very, very real because you are taking aspects of people that you know, uh, bits and pieces of yourself, experiences that you've had, and you're putting them into this character because you can't write people that you don't know. So you model your characters after people or after characteristics of people that you know. So then you can write them realistically. So um, sorry, I just had an Instagram pop down and it caught my attention and it completely derailed my thought pattern. <laughs> so you can create characters that are well-behaved and follow the story the way you want them to follow the story. They will do what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, say what they're supposed to say. And then you can create characters that um, will fight you, will throw in red herrings and will throw in, you know, loopholes and you will have them on a certain path going in a certain direction. And then all of a sudden they'll go, oh, look, butterfly, and they're off over there doing something else. Or they'll even bring in another character that you hadn't planned on creating. But the way they've taken their aspect of the story, um, this new character is needed. So now you have a whole new character that you have to flesh out, so to speak. So it can get um, frustrating, to say the least. It can get, um, and I think this is where a lot of writers sometimes write, run into writer's block, is they're trying to take their story in a certain direction and it's not ready to go in that direction yet. And I know when I was writing uh, Eternally Bound, I came across that quite often, where I would be, okay, these are my notes, this is my plan, here we go, this is what we're doing, and it's not going there, and I would be stuck because I'm trying to figure out how to make it go this way, and it's not going that way, and I can't see past that. And it was when I stopped trying to force it to go the way I wanted it to go and just wrote it, just kind of let it tell itself that the story took shape, the characters took shape. And what I had originally mapped for Eternally Bound, the core of it is still there still a story of past lives. It's still a story of um, schooners and 
pirate ships and um, past loves and, um, you know, past lives. But the ghosts and the kidnappings and, you know, the murder and all of that stuff was all new. I had not planned on having three of my main characters dead. Um, they were just going to be mentioned. But Belle Dawson, who is my main, my lead male's mother, she's a very strong character. She's a very strong woman. And in order to tell Lance's story and Tristan's story, Lance's brother, in order to explain why Lance is married to Abby and why he chose to do that, I needed to tell his childhood. And what better person to tell Lance's childhood than Lance's mother. So I had to figure out how to write those characters from a dead perspective. Because you figure they're dead. They're not going to eat. They're not going to sleep. I can't, you know, tuck them off in bed and leave them for a few hours and, and go and work on something else. Tell a different party. No, they're there. Um... I had to decide whether they were tied to the house, whether they could come and go, um, who could see who. <laughs> and then, you know, since mom was hanging around, well, Tristan decided he needed to hang around. Tristan was the first one. Tristan was actually the first ghost that made himself aware to me and said, you know, I need to be in this story. Um, I need to be involved. You need to make me involved. So I had to figure out how to incorporate my main character's dead brother into the story as a, a full character in his own right, not as past stories of who he was when he was alive, but who he is now that he's dead. And then um, Gwen's husband, Thomas, showed up. Uh, he, he apparently was not ready to let her go, and death was not going to keep them apart. He did not believe in the whole field death was part thing, apparently. So he showed up. So now I have to figure out how I'm going to, you know, bring him in and, um, am I going to make him vengeful? Am I going to make him angry? How am I going to make him understand that, you know, you have no more claim on Gwen anymore? Is he going to like Lance? Is he going to hate Lance? Is he going to try and kill Lance? Uh, is he going to be able to see Tristan? And can they communicate? Are they going to get along? I have to figure all that out, too. And then, Belle shows up. Mama Dawson shows up. And she's not just a casual bystander. She's not one to just kind of let the story take its own course and just be there for witty repartee. No. She actually took over the story and my main character at one point, literally. Um, she took Gwen's, 
Gwen's spirit out of her own body and put it into hers and took her on a past life journey. That was interesting. So, yeah, now I'm working with three ghosts. And um, a metaphysical healer and past lives. So, yeah. And I got to, I wrote chapter nine, up to chapter nine, one through nine, about a hundred times, because that's where I was getting stuck. And I kept thinking, okay, if I just go back to the beginning and just type it all out again, I'll be able to get back into that flow, find out, you know, find my place and keep going. And I could never get past chapter nine. And that's when I realized that I needed to just let it tell itself. Let it take me in the direction it wants to go. And I went from 9 to 25 in no time. It was like, once I did that, once I opened that door and said, okay, you guys, this is your story. Show me. Show me. Tell me what you want me to write. And let my characters just, I would just let them, you know, I'd see it playing out in my head and I would just write it. Basically, I took notes. I was just a stenographer, <laughs> you know, um, and I think that's the problem that I'm having with magically is I know where I want it to go. I know what I want it to do. And I don't think that's the direction that that story needs to go in. So I need to revisit that. I need to reread it and see what I need to do with it to get it, um, moving because that book needs to come out there's there's that book and one more book in, in the trilogy so i need and magically bound is bell's story before she's bell dawson when she's still you know breathing so i need to finish that book um and i have i have started it um I have been working on it here and there. Oops, my, I find my folder. Uh, there we are. Yeah, I have a work in progress folder on my desktop. My mouse doesn't want to work. Okay. So I have um, about. 17,000 words written. Um, like I said, I don't think it's going the way I want it to. Why is it weird? Anyway. Um, so, I need to go back and read it over and figure out what I want it to do, where I want it to go. Like I have chapter one is, is pretty much set now. Um, I've gotten my Gaelic that I want to use. It's in there. Um, that's the, uh, the epilogue, I think it is. The epilogue? Prologue. The prologue is done. Chapter one, 
kind of working on it. I'm not thrilled with it. Chapter two, I do like. Um, it kind of introduces you to, I have to sit down as well and do a timeline tree of characters because some of the characters from Eternally Bound are in Magically Bound because they're like Michael is there and I think um, Phil is there. Duncan is not. Duncan is older. No, Michael is not in it. Um, Michael's not in it. I don't think Phil is in it because they're not born yet. They're friends of Tristan's. Michael is a friend of Tristan's and of Lance's. So they're not around yet. But I know Duncan is. Um, I know Duncan is in it. So, yeah, I have to sit down and map out, um, the characters from the first book, like Patrick O'Halloran, the, sorry, Patrick Connolly, the doctor. Patrick O'Halloran was my OBGYN when my kids were born. <laughs> I don't know how that name popped up out of nowhere. Holy crap. Um, Patrick Connolly is fresh-faced and new in Magically Bound. He's an old doctor in Eternally Bound, but it's the same guy. Um, yeah, I, I have to figure out who is in this book and who is not, because I know out of the group of guys that worked at the shipyard, a lot of them were friends of Tristan's and were not even born when magically took place. So, because Tristan's not even born. Um, he is conceived in this book and he is born in this book, but he is not old enough to have friends. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I... I, I'm having an issue with it. I'm thinking, I'm, I don't even know what chapter I'm on. I'm on chapter five. Um, all right, I don't remember writing that. I don't remember writing that at all. That has to do with Savage, the uh, shape-shifting dog. All right. So, yeah, um, that's magically. What am I saving? What, did, what changes did I make? I don't think I made any changes. Anyway. Uh, and then I have some other stuff for the book, but I don't know where to put it. This is all the beginning. Uh, yes, Duncan is in this book, and Phil McMurtry is in this book. Michael is not, because Michael is Tristan's friend. So... Um, I just, I don't know where I'm going with this book. And this is the part with Gilly. Where the hell is Gilly? It made a character I don't even know. 
Who is Gilly? I have no idea. You see, it's been a while since I revisited this, and I don't remember um, some of it. I don't remember... Um, Parts that I've written. Oh, yes. Okay. Gilly is Sebastian Buchanan's right-hand man. First mate. Yeah. All right. Sebastian Buchanan is a nasty piece of work. I really like him. <laughs> but I, uh, I, that's where I'm having my roadblock. That's where I'm having my writer's block with Magically, is that I think I want the story to go in one direction. And right now, it's... It needs to go in a different direction, I think. And I'm not paying attention to that. I'm not listening to what the story is trying to tell me. I'm trying to tell the story. And you can't always do that. At least with my writing, I can't do that. If my story needs to go in a different direction, it'll go in that different direction. Like, you've heard me talk about The Chosen. The Chosen was never supposed to be written. The Huntress and the Warrior were never supposed to meet. They were never supposed to be in the same story. Celeste was supposed to be an entirely different story. I had her all mapped out. I had everything that I want. I had that book mapped. And then I wrote, I put the Huntress up on the world of myth. Because I had to have six months worth of stories. And um, seeing as I was still fairly new at writing stories for public consumption, um, I didn't think I could just sit down and whip something up. It took me 14 years to write Eternally Bound. So I had a bunch of short stories lying around. And one of them was The Huntress. And it was one of my favorites. I I love that story. That is one of my favorite stories. And so I threw it into um, the world of myth. And then I started a whole new story. Um, I started, um, hang on and I'll tell you. Let me pull it up here. Tell me hurts because I think I'm hungry, but it's 20 to 12 at night, so I'm not eating now because nightmares for one and two. I'm trying to lose weight, so I don't want to be eating and then lying down. That's not healthy. Okay, so I started with the Huntress on Chosen. Um, it wasn't even the Chosen then, it was just the Huntress. So then my next story, I came up with Coward. And it was this Merrick and um, coming back from, sneaking back from this war and, you know, his town's going to see him as this, this coward and um, left it at that. And then I wrote, I put up The Huntress Part 2, which I'd already written. And that was kind of going to be the beginning those two pieces were going to be the beginning of Celeste's story and um, where 
she was going to go. And then Merrick was kind of kicking around in the back of my head. So then I wrote Hero. And I thought, oh, this is kind of going pretty good. So we've got Coward now. So we got it from Merrick's point of view. So then I thought, well, let's write Hero. And that would be from everybody else's point of view. And then I thought, well, there's always three sides to a story. So then I wrote Battle. Battle is what actually happened. Um, and I do believe it was at the end of Battle that um, the Huntress kind of came up behind me as I was finishing, as I was writing the last, the last five words of Battle. Battle had just begun. Let's leave it as a cliffhanger. Let's leave it so that people know there's going to be more. Um, yeah, I think I wrote Battle and I heard the Huntress in the back of my head say, I can take it from here. Introduce us. I can take it from here. And that is where Celeste, the Huntress, met Merrick. The warrior. <sighs> I blame the elders. I really do. I blame the elders. And if you've read the story, you know why I blame the elders. Jeez, scared the living daylights right out of me. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of how that happened. And it was never meant, like I said, The Huntress was never meant to be a book. It was never meant to be that book. Celeste and Merrick were never meant to, were never supposed to meet. Merrick was supposed to be three, well, he was supposed to be one story. And then because I told Coward, I kind of felt I owed it to him to tell him as a hero. And then, like I said, there's three sides to every story. So then Battle showed up. And at the end of Battle, the Huntress came back and went, I can take it from here, really. Just, just trust me. I can take it from here. And that, it was that moment right there when I finished writing Battle that I knew that this was going to be a book and this was going to be The Chosen. Um, and that story, I guess, writing it piece by piece every month, um, that actually allowed me that freedom to just kind of let the story tell itself. Because I didn't know month to month what I was going to write. I did not have it mapped out beyond the Huntress, for heaven's sakes. I had nothing mapped out. I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know what the big bad dude was going to be. Um, so the story was written organically every month. And... I never came across that writer's block problem that I'm having with Magically Bound and that I had with Eternally Bound. And like I said, I think it's because I'm trying to force the story to go in a direction it's not either ready to go to yet or isn't meant to go to at all. So I need to revisit Magically and let... Belle, because if you've read Eternally Bound, you know Belle is a very strong character. 
She was not meant to be in the book as a character. She was not meant to Why are you sideways? My live studio audience just showed up, and I turned my phone sideways, and he turned small. I turned him... There, now that works. Okay. I'm happy now. Um, so, yeah. Like like I said, it took me 14 years to write Eternally Bound. Now, there was a lot of, of um, other outside reasons why it took so long, but... Like I said, I wrote the first nine chapters repeatedly. I pretty much know the first nine chapters word for word. Word for word. Because I kept writing them thinking, if I could just find that groove again, then I could keep going. And it was at the end of chapter nine that I realized that where I was trying to take it was not where my, char where my characters wanted to take it. And I needed to just let it happen and see where it was going to go. Just let the words come. Just let the story go off on a tangent and follow it. And like I said, I wrote 9 to 25, lickety split. <laughs> it took me 14 years to write nine chapters. It took me six months to write 9 to 25. Because mom gave me till Christmas to finish it. She was tired of reading the first nine chapters. Um, so I had it finished by December. And, um, yeah, so I think that's what I'm having. And like I said, Belle was never supposed to be a main character. She was never supposed to have a personality or even, you know, lines. She wasn't supposed to be a pivotal character in the story. And she is a very pivotal character in Eternally Bound. She's a very pivotal character. Um, she takes out the wife. <laughs> okay, no, she doesn't actually take out the wife. She witnesses the death of the wife. But, um, and like I said, Tristan was not supposed to be in the story. He's dead. Thomas was not supposed to be in the story. He's dead. Why would I bring dead people into the story as main characters? Sure enough, there they are. With personalities and opinions and temper tantrums and, you know, the whole nine yards. They are short of living and breathing. And they're not flesh and bone, but they are pivotal, important characters to the story. So don't discount the character just because you don't think it fits into the narrative. If this character has shown up and you're writing about this character and, and it's, it's, you know, interacting with your main characters, they're there for a reason. Your subconscious has decided that this character is important for something, whether it's just comedic relief or to throw your reader off the scent of the killer, um, whatever reason, they're there. Your brain thought them up and put them in the story for a reason. So, I'm trying to keep my voice down because I keep thinking I hear 
my little niece and nephew, which are sleeping right next door to me talking, but the dog's also in that room. So, you know, the dog could be flopping on them. The dog sleeps with them every night. But, uh, yeah, so, like I said, I think, and I'm writing penance. Penance is, I've just, I'm kind of just letting it tell itself. I don't know week to week. I have a general idea of what's going to happen in the story. Uh, but I, I didn't figure that out until a few chapters ago. And, I mean, sometimes things that happen in the chapter surprise the hell out of me. I'm like, holy crap. Did that really just happen? Like, if you've read the last chapter, you found out that Adrian is actually Aaron, the phoenix, that was there the night of the original ritual. So, um, when that happened, I was, I'm writing it, and I'm like, I can't believe this. And, and I'm like, I'm in shock as I'm writing it, because I'm learning it as I'm writing it. <laughs> like, there was, there was no brain-to-finger I didn't think about it before I wrote it. It just kind of happened. So, yeah, I was I was in shock while I was writing it. Um, and that kind of happened again tonight, too. I had a plan. And maybe that's the, my problem. I need to stop going into writing with a plan. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've always been a pantser. I should probably stop trying to be a planner and just stick with what I know. And that is writing by the seat of my pants. Because when I plan, it never works. So I had a plan for tonight. There's a specific thing that Reese needs to do in order to be strong enough to... I'm not going to say kill because she's not going to actually kill Adrian. It's, it's going to end him, but it's not going to kill him in the sense that, you know, you kill something. That's all, that, that's all the little teasers I'm going to give you. See, I know how Adrian ends. I know how that ends. And I know what Reese has to do to get to the point where that can happen. And that was supposed to come out in this chapter. They were supposed to discuss it. Tiana had an idea, but Reese was flipping out in the courtyard, so she couldn't tell her. And that wasn't supposed to happen. Reese's breakdown, you'll read this tomorrow. Um, but Reese's breakdown was not supposed to happen. She was pissed off and pacing the courtyard. Tiana was supposed to come out with this really cool idea, this, this thought that she's had. And it is a really cool idea. And she's supposed to tell Reese. And then they're supposed to tell Jaden and Jordan. And there's supposed to be a conversation. And an agreement, and things happen, and that none of that happened. Tiana went to the window with an idea and looked out and went, "Oh no, I am not going out there." Nope, not when she's like that. Because when she's like that, people die. Jaden almost died. You only hear about it in passing because I didn't write that scene, um, but I saw it clearly in my head. 
Reese was flipping out over something, and she was in a mood, and Jaden approached her, and she took him out. <laughs> but Jaden's a vampire, so he's immortal. <laughs> he was battered and bruised for a while, but he survived. Uh, Tiana, who is human, with the qualities of a witch, would not have survived. So, but, uh, yeah, so, like, I'm writing, I wrote The Chosen um, by the seat of my pants, month to month. Didn't know what was going on, just sat down and went, okay, this is where I left off. Oh, that's where you want to go today. All right, well, let's go. And I would just kind of follow Merrick and Celeste around and watch what they did. Um, that's kind of how book two for The Chosen is shaping up to you. But with Magically Bound, because it is the second book in the trilogy, I thought, okay, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to map out the story. I'm going to map out the timeline. This is what I want to happen. These are the characters I'm bringing in. And then Sebastian Buchanan showed up. He was the first monkey wrench. And I remember the day he showed up. I remember creating him because I was talking to Dave when he was created. And we were kind of batting around really good pirate names. And Sebastian just kept sticking in my brain. And I think Dave came up with Buchanan. I don't remember. One of us came up with Buchanan. But anyway, we came up with Sebastian Buchanan. And there's like a whole political backstory with him. Um, because there is a political candidate back then that I'm alluding, alluding to that that's his father. But, uh, yeah, and he just was not supposed to be there. It was just supposed to be these pirates that were raiding the village. There wasn't supposed to be one pirate in particular. He wasn't supposed to be a character. And here he is. I described his clothing. He has lines. He's done nefarious things already. Um, he's going to do more nefarious things. And I'm trying to get my two characters to this cabin so that things can happen pertaining to the story, so that other things can happen and the problem of the story will be revealed so that then we can work towards figuring it out. And unfortunately, I think my characters are going to present me with a different problem. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, and it just dawned on me what that problem is going to be. And I think while talking to you guys about how I'm stuck, I think I realized the direction that they want to take it in. And they will make it to the cabin. And they will be there long enough for things to happen. And then something's going to happen. It's going to create a whole new problem. I seem to like doing that. Because I did that with Pendants tonight. We're facing a big baddie. We're trying to find out how to kill Adrian. How to end his existence. And Marlin shows up. Marlin's dead. 
I don't know what it is about me writing the dead characters. I just can't let anybody go. Reduce, reuse, recycle. I reduce them to dead so I don't have to describe their clothing. Or, you know, say he sat down at the table or he's drinking a cup of tea. No, because he's dead. He's a ghost. He's just floating around. Um, and I gave him some of the really cutest lines, like tonight, Pinky promised, kind of. If he had had a pinky, he would have promised. But um, I think they're just they're going to drag this out just a teeny tiny bit longer before they will start to let me wrap it up. Um, it's not ready to end yet, apparently. I think it needs another thirty to forty thousand words before it's over. Probably looking at about seventy-five to eighty thousand words for this story. That means I have to write an enti another entire half if I want to make it a book. If I want to make it a novella, I could wrap it up in two more installments. <laughs> it would feel rushed if I wrapped it up in two more installments, but you know where I'm getting. If you're having an issue, if you're feeling like you're having a writer's block, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I don't believe in writer's block. I believe in writer's stuck. But I don't believe in writer's block. I think I'm stuck because I'm trying to take the story in a direction it's not meant to go. I'm not listening to my characters. I'm trying to make my characters listen to me. And like I said earlier, too, you write characters that have characteristics of either yourself or people that you know. So if your character's being stubborn, that's your own damn fault. You wrote them that way. So, all right. So what started out as, I'm kind of glad that I got onto this topic and we got off the other topic. Because I could not, for some reason, I don't know, it was weird. For some reason, I could just not stop talking about it. And you see, I'm back talking about it again. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to write about it tomorrow, and hopefully in writing it down and creating it and making it fiction, it finally puts it to rest, and it can stop haunting me. So um, I think I'm going to end it here for this week. Um, it's an hour. It's been an hour. It's already 12. I need some sleep. I'll try to get started earlier next week so you get a little bit longer. I know you guys like my longer podcasts, but I hope that you guys can take some useful information on character development and what to do if you are stuck. Maybe it's because, you know, like I said, your story is trying to go in a different direction and you don't want it to. You're digging your heels in. Maybe just let it go in that different direction. See what happens. Um, and I want to kind of mention something before we go. I did a podcast um, last week or the week before on marketing, and um, I didn't think much of it. I, I gave my personal experiences and my advice on marketing, and it actually inspired somebody to write a story after listening to the podcast. And, oh, excuse me, listening, reading that story, it dawned on me. They really listened to what I said. They really absorbed what I said, and 
they applied what I said. Now, mind you, they were trying to market a vampire book, but <laughs> um, it's a really good read. It's a really good story. Thank you, Peggy. I really enjoyed that piece. Um, and thank you for making me feel like uh, the information that I'm putting out there is actually useful. And, and people are listening to it and people are, you know, finding value in it. It's, it's always good to get feedback like that. And uh, you didn't, if that's not what you meant, if that's not how you want me to take it, well, tough, that's how I'm taking it. <laughs> My words have value. So, <laughs> all right, everybody, have a good week. I will be here again next week. In the uh, Grimsby studio on location. Um, I will not take that drive, I promise you. I will not take that drive, no matter how hard it is. I will not take that drive. So uh, I can't make any guarantees for the week after. We can only go week by week. Um, but yeah. Like I said, I need to go to St. Catharines and see my friend and just get some, a uh, little extra protection, a little extra shielding, a little extra oomph to uh, give me the strength to not take that drive. So. All right, everybody. I hope you guys all have a good week. Please check out the magazine tomorrow and vote. Leave comments, especially on the kids' art, because the kids check out that art. And when they have comments, it means the world to them. It, it encourages them and it inspires them to continue with what they're doing. So, yeah. Be the example and the inspiration that you didn't have as a child. And if you did have it, if you were lucky to have that then be that for a child. Pass it on. Uh, pay it forward because they are the next generation. So, um, yeah. All right. Have a good week. Stay out of trouble. Wash your hands. Be kind. And don't lick shit. Really? I had to tell my nephew tonight not to lick shit. He was licking the walls. Like, don't lick shit, kid. Come on. It's the rule. And then my niece started licking me. No. No. No, don't lick shit. That's my rule. They know it. That's why they do it. So, all right. Have a good week, everybody. And I will talk to you all next week. See ya. Carry on all that you There'll be peace when you are gone. Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry, Don't you cry.